This is the Game Lester Podcast, Episode 5, and I am your host, Trevor Whalen speaking. I am joined this time by Brennan. Hello. Haley. Hi. And Rachel. Hey there. And on this episode, we're going to be discussing the ESRB's new practice of putting in-game purchases labels onto physical video games. Now, this story has come about after there was controversy over in-game microtransactions or loot boxes, and ESRB released a statement. I have it here in front of me. The Entertainment Software Rating Board today announced that it will begin assigning a new in-game purchases label to physical, e.g. boxed, games. The in-game purchases label is one of several interactive elements, and by the way, this is from yesterday, February 27th, that ESRB currently assigns to notify consumers about the interactive or online features of a digital or mobile game. Says ESRB President Patricia Vance, The video game industry is evolving and innovating continually, as is the ESRB rating system. ESRB's goal is to ensure that parents have the most up-to-date and comprehensive tools at their disposal to help them decide which games are appropriate for their children. Now, this new in-game purchases label will be applied to games with in-game offers to purchase digital goods, the statement says, or premiums with real-world currency, which includes but is not limited to bonus levels, skins, surprise items, item packs, loot boxes, mystery awards, music, virtual coins, really everything in the kitchen sink. So the ESRB is not just talking about loot boxes here even subscriptions, any kind of in-game payment or in-game currency, they are going to start noting and letting parents know about. And it goes beyond that. The ESRB even launched parentaltools.org, which, well, it serves mainly as a resource for parents who, according to the ESRB president, don't always really know what loot boxes are and who, at the same time, really do not want their kids buying things or purchasing things in games without their knowledge. And this service will have links to step-by-step guides for parental controls, setting aspects in video games, including money, and even time spent playing. So again, this goes beyond in-game purchases. It'll provide a link to the ESRB ratings guide, and ESRB, in addition to the label and parentaltools.org, is also going to be conducting a nationwide campaign, it says, to help educate parents about how they can use tools like ESRB's ratings combined with parental controls to manage their games their kids are playing and with whom. So really, they're going after everything here. They're covering all their bases. And Patricia Vance even... she Well, she released... And again, Patricia Vance, the president of the Entertainment Software Rating Board, ESRB, um, she released an open letter in response to Senator Margaret uh, Hassan, I believe, Hassan, Hassan, not exactly sure on the pronunciation, but she she released this letter, and this, this is um, a New Hampshire senator, by the way, who had released an open letter, or had expressed concern openly, I don't know if she wrote a letter or not, but she, she expressed open concerns about microtransactions and how it affects kids. And so Patricia Vance responded with an open letter to this New Hampshire senator. And I really like this letter. 
I'm going to read some some of it that I've underlined to sort of kick off our discussion here. Um, but so in this letter, again, from the ESRB president to the New Hampshire senator, uh, Patricia Vance says, For almost 25 years, the ESRB has been providing consumers, especially parents, with age and content ratings for video games. The video game industry moves at a rapid pace, and the ESRB is constantly reviewing our rating process, policies, communications, and more to ensure that we continue to empower parents to make informed decisions on behalf of their children, etc., etc. We conduct annual research with parents. I didn't know the ESRB did that. And this research, Patricia Vance says, and our ongoing interactions with parents led them to create a third part to their rating system, Interactive Elements which, all the way back in 2013, they started applying to mobile games and apps, and now, of course, they're applying to physical box games. And, again, to reiterate, as she notes here in this letter, there it's everything in the kitchen sink. Um, in-game purchases, the first of their interactive element for physical video games labels, will be telling parents about all in-game offers to purchase digital goods or premiums with real-world currency. And Patricia Vance continues, and as I noted earlier, she says, based on the ESRB's research, 91% of parents indicate that they do not allow their children to make in-game purchases without permission. But most parents don't know what exactly loot boxes are the ESRB continues to find out. Patricia Vance also says in this letter she thinks it's important to clarify that these purchases are always optional, are often awarded at no cost to the player, can be acquired using virtual currency that can be earned through gameplay and such or purchased, and are never required to complete the game. Now at the end of this letter, Patricia Vance even touches on a different issue involving the World Health Organization wanting to classify game addiction as a mental health disorder, um, and this was something that the New Hampshire Senator also brought up. And Patricia Vance says, there does not appear to be any concrete evidence of gaming disorder stemming from loot boxes, nor am I aware of any scientific evidence indicating that unlocking loot boxes has any psychological impact on children more specifically, etc., etc. And she, and the letter is really good if you haven't read it. I got to it through a story on Engadget. And the, my, my basic takeaway with um, the ESRB's response and how they're going after everything in the kitchen sink and Patricia Vance's open letter response to um, the New Hampshire Senator, um, Margaret Hayson, is, you know, we have this controversy stirred up over loot boxes, bills getting introduced, politicians starting to make big grand claims and statements about children and video games and all that, and then here comes the president of the ESRB riding atop a white horse, so to say, to just quash all this nonsense. I mean, they just completely just end all discussion on this. You can see any politicians, you know, standing at the podium or the pulpit or whatever, um, being made aware of the ESRB's response here, just suddenly getting a deer in the headlights look. I mean, they have they're even even they're even noting subscriptions. It's not just loot boxes. They're launching a whole new service for parents to use, a whole new nationwide campaign. Um the ESRB is responding to this, I think, wonderfully, and I give the ESRB here uh, kudos, and I think every gamer should be sending the ESRB and Patricia Vance a thank you letter because they have just saved the games industries from politicians. 
Now that's my take. Now I'm, I'm going to turn it over to each of you, and I want to start with Haley because you actually wrote an article for our site um, that's been published at Game Luster on the issue, so I just I want to know your, your thoughts on what the ESRB is doing, any take you have on the comprehensive nature of what is, be, you know, it's beyond a label on the box. It's like this whole new service and campaign to make parents aware of what their kids are doing as far as in-game purchases. Um, what's your take, Kaylee? I am all for this. I think it's something that parents are sort of aware of, but aren't 100% aware of. So educating them um, is extremely important. Like, I have... Uh, like personal experience with this like my little brother has racked up charges in microtransactions um and my parents were like you know like how did this happen like we don't know how he did this and all of a sudden my dad's like oh i put my bank card on there but i didn't know he'd be able to do that so i'm all for um educating parents on what microtransactions are what loot boxes are um, what their what their kids are able to purchase with them, and how they can take away that feature if they do so wish to do that. And and so like you know one of one of the I guess well I always like to argue with myself, and one of the stupid I'm sure little counter arguments on this that I came up with is well is the ESRB protecting the games industry from politicians? Or, the little, you know, villainous, you know, villain Trevor says, or are they enabling game developers? Because now game, developer can say, game developers can say, ha, we can put anything we want in our games. Now we don't have to worry about um, regulation. We don't have to worry about holding ourselves back with in-game purchases because the ESRB is going to put labels. They're going to put out information. We can do whatever we want and we'll be safe because ESRB. Any, any credence, Haley, do you think to that little counter argument of mine? One, I feel like a lot of politicians aren't versed in video games. Um, a lot of them, I've noticed, still make the argument that video games cause violence. And I've did many reports on this throughout high school and college. And that's just not true. And it infuriates me when I see that because, like, these people are just spouting, um, I don't, I guess, lies, basically. Um, and, like, that just makes me sad because other people see that and they're like, oh, like, it has to be true because this politician said so. And that's just that's just not right. Um, uh, on the second topic, I would like to think that video game developers would use their better judgment when it comes to things like this. Um, maybe that's putting a little bit too much faith into them. But... As a consumer, we speak with our wallet, so if we don't like something, we don't have to purchase it. And I feel like that's one of the ways that we can speak back to them. Yes, the ESRB should do just a little bit more, but I think right now, I feel like this is a good stepping stone to whatever next step they plan on taking if they actually do take one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, and now, like, like what you said about politicians speaking on um, in-game violence, like, it reminds me of a whole 
different era back in the early 90s when the ESRB was first formed. Um, and that's why, like, I, I gave that image of Patricia Vance coming in on a white horse, and I'm thinking, like, for a second time now, just like in the early 90s, the ESRB has come in to protect, save the games industry. You know, then it was politicians talking about violence in games. Now it's them talking about gambling. Um, I mean, just, you know, my I did give my little counter argument that my little, you know, um, alternate Trevor threw out as I always think through things. But my real conclusion is still, you know, kudos to the ESRB, not just on in-game gambling, but also on when it came to in-game violence there in the early 90s. Um, but anyway, um, I'll now turn it over to to you, Rachel, because you're someone you you live in a hot spot of the games industry. You've you've been to GDC before. Um, it's true. It's true. You've worked in game development before. Um, so you've you've been. It it could. It's probably fair to say that you've been more immersed in the games industry or more aware of its culture than either myself or Haley or Brennan. So, um, given given your exposure. Um, what, what's your take on game developers and microtransactions and the ESRB and politicians here? Well, it's, it's sort of a hard topic to breach, but I think that the ESRB is, like Haley was saying, taking a great step in the right direction. Um, at this point it does feel a little broad and I agree. I agree that a lot of politicians sometimes are a little bit ignorant or refute I'm not sure the word for it um, they, they don't want to accept the fact that maybe violence in real life isn't caused by video games and mm-hmm. I think that the SRB is doing a great job of taking sort of the issue of violence and gambling and making steps to say alright well if you're opposed to seeing this sort of content we have a system to where now you don't have to indulge in it or experience it if you don't want to by the same token I do think that the broadness of this new rating is something that we might see hurting the games industry a little bit because in addition to microtransactions which obviously can be abused by you know kids or just people who feel the need to get to the top of the leaderboard um, in addition to that it's encompassing games like World of Warcraft or League of Legends that are sort of a subscription based service and so my my question that I have in my head is how will this affect those types of games? Um, Because I think that it's sometimes difficult for parents to see the difference. They, They see the rating, they say, oh, well, this must mean that my child might spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've all heard the horror stories of that happening. And my concern is that they're gonna see this rating for a game that might have a downloadable level like The Witcher or it might be a subscription-based service like World of Warcraft and say oh well this has microtransactions I can't have my child playing this when that's not really representative of how the game functions yeah like if you know if it has like one bit of in-game DLC you don't want it having the same label as like a Star Wars Battlefront 2 that's what I'm worried will be mistaken um, in certain cases and I think that it's a great thing that the ESRB set up that website. I haven't been to it yet, um, but my hope is that as it continues to get read, that they'll sort of lay out the differences between these sorts of games so that parents can be more aware 
of exactly how they're restricting behavior with this with with this new rating and that way they'll be a more aware of how their child might be interacting with certain types of games but be also that like not all of the games that are receiving this rating are necessarily selling the same type of content true true um and that that seems to be something that'll just evolve over over time um as as more and more games come out with more and more different types of in-game uh, currencies because like i said it covers everything everything in the kitchen sink so oh yeah it, it is something esrb is going to have to be be figuring out as they go um but i do think it's a fantastic first step i think that um a lot of things have validity to the problems that they're facing with them like Haley was saying with her little brother I, i've heard story after story of this happening so i'm i'm glad that there is starting to become an awareness and a rating on it i think it's a great first step yes yes and i do i i like i mean i like the whole tone and flavor of um uh, patricia vance's letter like she does cite studies like by the uk gambling commission that uh end game purchases are not gambling that or that loot boxes specifically are not gambling um and she even says herself, we believe that loot boxes are more comparable to baseball cards where there is an element of surprise and you always get something. So I really like the tone of this letter being like games are just another legitimate form of entertainment or a pastime and there does not need to be all this alarm about it ruining our children and mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do to help parents be more informed. And I think that's the most crucial step is to just get everyone informed about the different types of content that's out there. Yes, definitely. Letting, making sure parents are actually aware of what their kids are doing in these games, especially if they have uh, one of their parents' cards set up to the game where they can just use it automatically. I mean, that, which I believe, is that what you were, were saying, Haley? Because that's given me like a whole new perspective on this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my little brother racked up the charges on World of Warcraft. Um, I'm not really sure how that works because I don't play the game myself, but I was discussing this with my boyfriend earlier and I gave the example of some people have their cards hooked up to their PSN account. So what happens if you let your kid go on your PS4 and they go on PSN and just start buying games? Like that, that is different from what we're talking about, but it, it still happens so giving parents those steps to let them know that they can put parental controls on their account so their kid can't do that, um, I think it's just really important. Yeah, it's like um, the controversy over loot boxes like a, was like a gateway to like this whole wider issue um, of, of children using in-game, in-game purchases um, without their parents' knowledge. Now... Uh, Brennan, I don't want to leave you completely in the dark here, so I'm gonna I'm going to turn it over to you to offer some input. Um, what's your take on all this? Um, I have to agree with everyone so far. Um, I think it's a pretty good first step. Um, I I think that the the website that they launched is a great idea. You know, to to educate parents, um, you know, over anything. I always think that advertising to children is is pretty bad. So to have a website that explains what these things your children are buying are great. Um, 
I'm not a huge fan of the label on the box. That's not because I don't like what it's doing, rather than uh, what Rachel said before, is that it categorizes everything, like you said, all the things under the sink, or under the sink, excuse me, into one thing. Like, um, in one of their tweets, they explain how uh, levels and skins along with subscriptions and surprises, and they, they kind of encompass it all in one thing, whereas, um, to me, a skin, or maybe something like a, a map pack, you can buy maybe once, and you buy it once and you have it, you know, or like a season pass, but a, a surprise box, you can buy it an infinite amount of times, and, and to what Haley said, that leads... Uh, especially if your credit card account is linked to something like that, and the parents don't know that, it, you know, you can explain to your... Or your parent can find out and be like, okay, they're going to buy one map pack, and that's it. Rather than, uh, I'm going to accidentally leave my card there, and then your kid can just rack up thousands of dollars in loot boxes, which are repeatable objects that you can just buy infinitely. Um, so while I'm not a huge fan... I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of it, don't get me wrong. I just think that it's a good first step, but they can obviously and will obviously do more, as they said, that this is just the first step. But I, I don't know how exactly you would word that on a box. I'm, I was trying to think of a solution. Um, I know that they explained they don't want to specifically call out the loot boxes because parents don't know or don't care to know what they are, but uh, I think that that's a pretty important thing to to give your child the power to buy something infinitely versus the power to buy something just once like a map pack yeah and, and like there's a there's a difference between buying a map pack like a DLC that's got nine new maps for a multiplayer mode and going to an in-game store and seeing like all these deals and specials on different weapon models and, and character skins and all that. Um, the one, the former, is more of this uh, conscious, well-planned-out, single-purchase decision. Like, this new product that's, like, anywhere from 10 to 20 bucks has come out. Like, I mean, all the way back to just the map packs for Halo 2 or whatever. And mm-hmm. it, it's like getting one one new big edition at a price of like 20 bucks for this game and it's like a one-time purchase and it's something that only comes out once a year or, or like an expansion for World of Warcraft or whatever. And But then there's my other example, like something in Quake Champions, which I would be more familiar with, um, of an in-game store where you go in there and it's like, oh, look, the, the Quake 1 rocket launcher model and oh, a new skin for this champion and oh, look at that special and suddenly all the... and it, it uses a different in-game currency that um where where real world money is less valuable than it if i'm saying that right you know like a thousand or after ten ten dollars gets you 800 points or whatever and and that's that's different that's like popping away all these purchases as many times as you can instead of just buying the one concentrated dlc pack so the labeling is really important even though we say like the label on the box perhaps the label in the digital store is more important, which they've been doing anyway. Um, yeah. But yes, labeling is key here. Um, so before we, we wrap up considering this issue, um, any other thoughts or anyone have, like I 
I threw out there any like counter arguments you've come up with. Is there any reasons why this might be bad? Like why the ESRB coming in and doing this and like I say, going after everything under the sun on this issue. Is there any way this can backfire? Is there any way this stifled anything that could have happened otherwise? Is there anything negative about what the ESRB is doing? Um, For the sake of playing, I guess for each of us, it'd be playing devil's advocate here. Well, for the sake of just playing devil's advocate, um, and coming from a household that was especially strict when it came to game ratings, um, I can see the possibility that certain households will definitely restrict based on this rating. Um, And like I was saying earlier, not all purchasable content is a microtransaction. Like we were all saying, it's not all microtransactions. So... As the ESRB is mainly a concern for kids playing games with their parents' permission, I think that there's a possibility that it might cause kids to not be able to play as many games. Now, whether or not that ends up being better or worse for the people who actually hold the credit card, the jury is sort of out on that. But that's one possible thing that I could see happening, potentially. Yeah, I mean, it... Just like with violence, you know, drawing another parallel to the the concerns over game violence, it depends on the person. I mean, if you have a kid who is scared to, you know, if their parents give them cash to go out shopping and they're scared to spend a dollar of it, I mean, who are going to be really responsible, you don't want them to suddenly be, you know, bogged down in all these ratings and parental controls that, you know, some kids who will just rack up charges like it's nothing um, should have. Absolutely. So, yeah, it definitely, it does depend... It depends on the person. So again, it'll be up to the parents. They just need to be, they need to be informed about what character their kid actually has and know whether or not they should set parental controls or if they know, oh, they're just going to buy like a new map or a new skin every three months, if that, and they'll always ask me first. I mean, it really, it depends on the person and it depends on uh, the parents' involvement and the kids' lives. Absolutely. Which is key. Yes. So anything? Oh, Brennan, go yeah, ahead. I, actually, yeah, I just thought of something. So, um, sorry to cut you off. Um, I, to to almost be on the other extreme, what if this does absolutely nothing? Like, what I can I can I'm trying to think of my own parents, like as someone who wasn't allowed to play M-rated games until I was uh, 15, 16 years old. Um, it's not necessarily that my parents would look on the box and be like, oh, this has nudity, that's off limits <laughs> on, on this M-rated game or whatever, but this M-rated game has violence. No, it was just M-rated? No, you can't have it. Um, what if what if there are just parents that just don't care about it? Like, it could have no effect. It could not hurt, but just do almost nothing. Um, I'm kind of afraid of that happening and can see that happening very easily because, you know, there's people like my parents that just uh, care to a point. Um, and then after that, it's like, uh, whatever, video games, go out and read a book or something. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, you know, it, it depends on the person because in terms of the personal sphere with parents, it may not have any effect. I think, though, still the more important takeaway is this really takes the wind out of the cells of politicians who wanted to go after this. I mean, if you're going to get, you know, up at the pulpit, so to say, and start raising this issue again and wanting to introduce legislation, people can say, 
well, the ESRB is handling this pretty well now. Um, and that's, that's the big takeaway, is that the ESRB, Patricia Vance, it's kind of effectively shut down uh, politicians really becoming crusaders about this issue. Um, but I do see your point still, Brennan, you know, as far as just parents goes, yeah, there are going to be lots of cases where this doesn't have any effect, it doesn't matter, it's going to go ignored, or like back to Rachel's concerns, it might be the other extreme where all in-game purchases are the same. If they see that label, it's no-go. Do you have anything, Haley, on negative takes on the ESRB's actions here? Not that... I can think of um, a little bit going off of what Brennan said. Um, I feel like it's once it happens to you, you'll understand. So, mm. like, yes, it might not happen to everyone, but I feel like once it happens to a select few parents, maybe they'll start getting involved um, when they didn't care in the beginning. But I mean, that comes with time, and we'll just have to see. Very true. True, true. Time will tell as uh, the ESRB begins to tackle all the issues and takeaways and changes that always come about from any new endeavor and campaign. And I'd be, I'm interested to see how their, quote, nationwide campaign goes. That'll be an interesting thing to follow. But I really, I really, I, you know, I do... I always like to play devil's advocate, but to sort of close out this discussion, and I'm sure you all three would agree with me, I really just love the ESRB here because they're tackling the issue, they're taking charge of it. It could even extend to game violence in wake of recent events as well. Like, they're actually, and they're defending games all the while. And so as a gamer, like, again, you know, where where do I send my, my thank you card to? Well, I guess Patricia Vance. I'll, <laughs> I'll just send her a thank you card. Maybe I really will. Because I really, I love the open letter she wrote. Um, and I, I love I love the ESRB just shutting down politicians and tackling the issue and not ignoring it. So kudos to the ESRB. Now, for this ne- the next part of the podcast, before we wrap up here in our fifth episode, I want to try out something new. It's something that I call News Shootout Cold Reaction. And basically, I'm going to be shooting out news headlines, and I'm going to get one person's cold reaction. I'm going to say a headline, and they're all going to do with games. It's all gaming news headlines. And then I'm going to call on one of you, and you're going to have a five seconds, give or take, <laughs> to give me a reaction. And then yeah. on to the next one. So, sound cool? <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. All right, then. Okay, let's begin. First headline. Yakuza 6 demo allow players to enjoy the full game. Rachel? <laughs> Go for it while it's still there. Next. Kirby developer Hal Laboratory's delightful mobile game part-time UFO is finally out in the West. Brennan. Why UFO? Next. Does Switch's new Doom patch improve performance? Haley? Does it? <laughs> Does it? Who knows? Next. Blizzard still has no plans for Hearthstone on consoles in 2018. Rachel. Well, that's fine. (laughs) I play it on my iPod. It's fine. Next. Take an asylum full of psychopaths to go now that Outlast is on Switch, Haley. I never played that game. (laughs) Next. 
Are video games immune to cryptocurrency failure, Brennan? I have no idea. <laughs> Next. Jetpacks are coming to Fortnite. Rachel. Oh, let's do it. Let's, let's do this yesterday. Next. Duke Nukem's 22-year-old engine is powering a game today. Haley. People still talk about that game? <laughs> Next. Sea of Thieves fully embraces power leveling, according to the design director. It's not what you think. Brennan. Power to the pirate. Next. And last. Final Fantasy XV's PC port continues the wacky crossovers with Sims 4 costumes. <laughs> Rachel. The wackier, the better. Let's make it crazy. Well, oh. <laughs> well said. Ah. The dog agrees. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> this is a fine time to be barking, Rachel. I, I just can't help it. I'm sorry. Goodness. Is it a full moon there? Ah. Well, anyway... <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm having so many flashbacks to old comedies where you have like Curly or Costello saying, "What are you barking for? This is a fine time to be barking of all the times. When do you want some dog food? I didn't know he had a dog. Did he have a dog? No, he never told me that. Ah. Well, anyway, I guess I'm talking to myself there. But barks and all, that's it everyone. Uh, this has been the Game Luster Podcast. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. <laughs>